0: Welcome to the Business of Being You podcast. My name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B. I'm a life and business coach specializing in authenticity. In version 2.0 of this podcast, we're going to be focusing on authenticity and the many different ways it shows up in different aspects of life. Today's conversation is just that. We're going to talk about conversations. I have with me Luis Melendez. Luis is a communication coach who helps people find the words to get what they want, whether it's a new job, promotion, or close a deal. After selling 5 million in digital ads at Yelp and raising over $4 million for nonprofits at Charity Buzz, Lewis founded Have Better Conversations to teach others how to successfully negotiate and communicate in their professional and personal lives. Lewis's approach includes sharing tools and strategies for developing confident, human, and outcome driven conversations, skills, and habits. He's worked with big companies like Salesforce, ClassPass, Athena, and Yelp. Lewis also provides one-on-one coaching to high-performing individuals, such as corporate executives, sales leaders, doctors, and lawyers, and has also trained TED Talk speakers. He's the co-founder of Workflow, a unique corporate team-building experience using music to build connection and community, and as the cherry on the sundae, the icing on the cake, he's also an improv and live comedy performer. So welcome, Lewis, thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Marco. Coach Marco B, I, I'm so happy to be here.
0: We've known each other for a little while now, maybe going on a year. Uh, we were in a mastermind group together. You always were a master at guiding us in our conversations. And you and I always had an ongoing thing with coming up with words that we seldom use in daily conversation. Uh, I think the first, wo- the first time it caught my eye was uh, when you said ethos. That yeah. ethos. This is not something we use very often, so <laughs> and it just became like an ongoing thing, man. So welcome.
1: thanks for having me and 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 I agree, you know, I love the power of words, and I love how much you can communicate with the right word choice uh, so that of course, you know, it makes sense that we're both interested in vocabulary. And you know, one of the interesting things about when you and I met about a year ago is our conversations from the very beginning have yep. been very authentic. Yep, and that's it. So it's a natural topic for today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, what role has conversa- have conversations held in your life, personally and professionally?
1: They play the central role. <laughs> uh, they are they are the center of my universe. I mean, my businesses, as you mentioned in the intro, have better conversations all day, every day. I help people find the words they need to get the job raised to close a deal to navigate a, a obstacle in their relationship uh, to be a more effective salesperson they all come back to the same core foundational skills you know if I were to write a book about an autobiography let's say it might be called like the gift of Gap right I, I've right. been running my yap since I was a kid and I really enjoy connecting with people making sure that they feel heard, And also advocating for myself. And I think that conversations have been the tool, the mechanism by which I have found greater professional success, personal success, um, whether that's been as a salesperson, as an account manager, as a personal assistant. I've held a number of different roles. Communicating effectively and clearly is at the center of all of it.
0: Right, right. Were you always good at conversations or was there a time where you were timid and, you know, I, I've never known that side of you. I've always seen you once you've been kind of in your, in your zone. You know, was there yeah. ever a, a pre-conversation, Lewis?
1: <laughs> Maybe when I was like really young, you know. I remember as a child being a bit precocious and a bit serious. Um, but in fact, as I turned into a teenager, I sort of saw, hey, what are the, the stakes are so low the stakes are so low so often we can put ourselves out there we can crack a joke and no one laughs and that's okay right we we can put our foot in our mouth and yeah you know there might be some consequences but like the stakes are often so low in terms of volunteering one's authentic self right uh, and just like being whoever you want to be that right. I quickly found that voice and that piece of myself as like a teenager I would say and I haven't looked back I started doing stand-up comedy and, and improv comedy when I was like 16. Mm. And that I think really opened the floodgates to putting myself out there, getting on stage, um, and, and being up in front of crowds. Right,
0: right, right. So the focus on the, uh, of my work that I do is authenticity. And I, I always try and relate it to the different aspects of life. And, you know, how important would you say that authenticity is in conversations?
1: You know, it's interesting. I'd like to say that it's very important. It, 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 It should be important, right? right? When we want to really foster meaningful human connection and we want to create or recreate that feeling of like, wow, that person really understood me. Or, wow, that person really sees the universe in the way that I see the universe, right? That feeling when we see ourselves in the words of someone else. I think that that really only happens when we're communicating authentic- authentically.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, and when we communicate with inauthenticity, when we're faking it, right, people can smell that. We can taste it. We can hear it. We know what that sounds like, and we're quick to dismiss it. People shut down. People dismiss inauthenticity. So it, authenticity buys us real estate
0: yeah. in the
1: mind's eye of the listener right? Yeah. It gets us in the door and they say, oh, you know what? Okay. Let this person and let me hear what they have to say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because recently I've had to have conversations with car dealers. It, it's, it's not it, authentic. It, it's so, it, it's so scripted. It's so, uh, it's puts me in a bad mood. It's always put me in a bad mood. Like I hate salespeople. Like I hate people being salesy, you know, and, and, you know, you already know that my, my, my background is in healthcare. And so when I used to work in the medical office, um, the pharmaceutical reps would come by and sometimes they were very pitchy, you know, they're very pitchy and, 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 you know, they they try and it's just very clear that they have an agenda, which is their job. I get it. But there were some reps that would come by where they would be very effective at just keeping their product top of mind just because they were very natural and very comfortable Mm. You know, it it didn't seem like they were, that they were scripted, but yeah, you're absolutely correct. You know, people who, who approach conversations and pretty much anything in life with inauthenticity, you can spot it a mile away. So what would you say is the anatomy of a good conversation or conversation in general? Hmm.
1: You know, immediately, what immediately comes to mind when you ask that question is a quote from uh, George Bernard Shaw. He says, the greatest illusion of effective communication is that it took place in the first place, right? Mm. (laughs) That I think a lot of the time, people don't even stop to think or wonder, is the other party hearing me? Does the other person actually feel heard, seen in this conversation? We're so quick to go to me, 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 me. Yeah. Right. And so, so often I think people just say their piece and essentially check out from the conversation at that point. And what does that do? That drives down authenticity because when people don't feel like they're being heard or they don't feel like they're seen in a conversation, well, they don't show up as their full selves. And that's what so often is happening. People feel like they're in these empty, performative conversations because they are. (laughs) Right. Because because neither party is really has skin in the game in the conversation. Right? right. What do I mean when I say skin in the game? I mean that they feel like they're invested in the outcome. Mm. That the the end point that we're driving towards in this conversation, it requires both of us. Right. So often people just sort of filibuster, you know, right, right. and then that's it. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's not gonna be a very authentic conversation if that's right.
0: the case. It's funny you mention that because in, in in so much advice that you hear about people with with just successful businesses, you'll hear the, the people who are in the upper echelon of business, they all say you have to focus on giving. You give, you give. And you mentioned something very similar in that it can't be one-sided intention with the conversation. The conversation has to be, it has to be a flow that moves in both ways. Um There's a book by uh, Adam Grant, very popular book, uh, Give and Take, or is it Givers and Takers? I have not read
1: it. I've heard a lot about it.
0: Yeah. And basically, the gist of it is people that give tend to be more successful. People that give tend to be um, better received. They tend to be better leaders. Uh, People will follow them more. Um, I was listening to an audio book of him recently, and he was mentioning how even when it comes to finances, they tend to be... um, Better off financially, the givers, as opposed to people who are considered to be takers. So that's interesting. So, in the conversations, you find also that there has to be at least some level of being aware of the other person's needs in this conversation.
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of the things that I teach in sales, uh, sales training. There's actually a lot of data on this. This is not just my opinion or some observation. Uh, in fact, if you're familiar with the, um, the conversation recording tool called gong Uh,
0: Gong gong.io
1: they're a huge company in the sales world you can have your sales reps all your conversations can get recorded Mm. right so what's beautiful about this in the age of big uh data and and machine learning is you can interpolate you can synthesize that data quite quickly you can draw conclusions at meta levels that we've never been able to before right when looking at conversations so one of the things gong did is they looked at twenty six thousand sales calls they ran them through this thing they came up with a lot of different takeaways but the one i think is relevant for right now is they found that literally every 10 percent maybe 15 percent that a sales rep spoke less meaning they gave more space in the conversation for their prospect to speak, their performance, they were in a higher performance quartile. Wow. The highest performing salespeople spoke the least, bar none. This is a wow. fact. This is after looking at 26,000 sales calls, right? So, wow. what does that tell us? It tells us that people are more likely to open their pockets, people are more likely to transact, people are more likely to actually say yes to what you want them to say yes to if you speak less and you actually make them feel heard.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's funny because there's an old saying that says God made you with two ears, two eyes and one mouth. So you could look and listen twice as much as you speak ancient wisdom. And now we have gong that has uh, proven that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's ancient wisdom. And it's so, so true. And it's true for every aspect in life. It's not just sales calls, right? It's much more than that. If you're in any kind of romantic relationship,
0: listen, listen, shut up. So what are the most common mistakes that you find that people make in having conversations that either tank the conversation or make them come across as being um, inauthentic?
1: Yeah. The first and most clear one, and it's related to exactly what we're talking about, is this urge to feel silence.
0: Right.
1: I know it because I've felt it myself. Yeah. We all feel it, especially on a Zoom call or in person even more so perhaps, right, over a coffee or something. There's this desperation to feel silent. Oh my god, we can't have silence in a conversation. There right. can't be a long gap. That means that I'm not being interesting. That means that I'm not carrying the conversation, when in fact, Silence is just silence, and and, and it's often really powerful. I, we train salespeople yeah. to use the power of silence to let their prospect think. When it comes to more broad conversations, silence is a really powerful tool because it's often the neutral territory that allows us to navigate a change in topic, a new query, a new idea. Silence can be contemplative. Silence Mm. can be introspective. It doesn't need to be this, like, oh, my God, if I'm not saying anything, that means I'm not contributing, which means I'm not interesting, which means, oh, my God, they're going to walk away, right? Like, I would say the number one mistake that people make in conversations is a desire to fill silence.
0: Wow, bro, I love everything. I love everything about that, and it's so true. You know, in, in the coaching training that I did, they dedicated a good portion of one of the lessons into silence, and this coach was saying how, you know, Just like you said, don't feel the need to say something. Sometimes people are processing what you just spoke about, what's coming up for them. He shared an example of how he was um, having a a coaching call. At this time, he was having it uh, via Zoom. And he was talking about how his client went silent. And there was dead silence for about five minutes, and I don't think it was Zoom now that I think about it, because I remember he said he had to check in to see if the guy was still there. And it was, he says there was five minutes of absolute silence. And he says, after five minutes, he's like, I just had to check in and just tell him, I'm just checking in, just to let you know that I'm still here. And if there's anything you need from me right now, but if you need more time, we can take the time in um the mastermind that we were in uh we read the book the prosperous coach which is considered to be one of the most popular powerful like one of the textbooks if you will um to coaching and one of the big lessons that uh litvin if i'm not getting the name wrong he says is be silent embrace silence and it's just that and you're absolutely right there's something uncomfortable about being silent and um It's funny, it ties into also eye contact. Mm. Eye contact and silence are two very uncomfortable things. I mean, we've talked outside of here. We grew up in the hood, you know? I mean, I grew up in, you know, South Queens, and I think, what'd you say you grew up in? East New York, Brooklyn. Yeah, East New York. So, you know, prolonged eye contact, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as in the primate world, is considered, you know, a threat. You you, you, you you have eye contact for too long, you must now either avert your gaze or uh, provide some uh, gesture of submission where I think the monkeys go like...
1: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a clip, maybe you've seen it. There's a clip that's been going around the internet recently of a guy who's a zookeeper and he's making eye contact with a lion. Oh. And after like five seconds, the lion's like, what's up? Wow. Like, And it's all over him. Yeah, and, You know, it's just like, dude, what are you doing, man?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen quite a few of those nature shows, and they're very particular, especially with the primates, like look down, don't make eye contacts, especially with the gorillas. Don't look, don't make, don't look them directly in the eye. You stare them in the eye, and it's, you know, it's considered to be confrontational. But I find like it's very similar in that, you know, one of the things that, one of the exercises I intend to use one day when I have my uh, my workshop all put together is to have this exercise on just um, eye contact. Just silence and eye contact. and I've seen this done before and it's, the result was powerful, you know, and and I don't know if you've ever had that opportunity of just sitting in silence and just looking at someone in their eyes and there's something there. You know, when I saw this example done one time, um, there were people that began just crying, like no voice, no words, nothing was said. It was just tears started flowing. And when they explained later on, they said they felt exposed. They Mm -hmm. felt exposed, you know. Um... Why is that? Why do you think that we're so averse to silence? Is it just a Western thing, or or you think it's a human thing?
1: It's a good question. I don't know if I can confidently uh, comment outside of, the, of my life experience, and that's largely in the Western world. I would say that there is a—it's a, our insecurity. I would say it's largely driven by insecurity. There is a prevailing feeling in our culture that if you're not stepping up. To fill that silence if you're not contributing something, then there you're therefore dumb or boring or you don't have anything good to say or whatever, right? We live in a world now where it's expected for you to share your opinion you're yeah. supposed to be on twitter you're supposed to be mad about something
0: right,
1: and I think that that it creates a culture of like i gotta share i gotta I gotta speak, I gotta say something,
0: right, right. That's interesting. You know, it's funny though, that even though we try and fill the silence, conversations are intimidating. And, you know, it said that public speaking is considered to be one of the the, the most common fears. I I read something once that said the the number one fear that people have is public speaking, the second is the dentist, and then the third is death, which essentially suggests that people would rather die than speak in public or, or go to the dentist. Would you say that conversation places in one of the the higher rungs, the the top fears that people have?
1: Maybe not all conversations, but certainly um, self-advocacy. I would say it's more specific than just conversations. It's self-advocacy. People are very nervous and loathe to advocate for themselves. Mm. Whether it's expressing an opinion, whether it's making a request, whether it's trying to get someone to see the world the way that you see the world, people really chafe at that. It's one of the number one, probably it's not one of, it's the number one topic that I coach around. What does it look like? It often sounds something like, I just don't feel comfortable bragging about myself. Mm. I don't feel comfortable talking about my accomplishments. I'm not an expert on this. I don't want to come across as a know-it-all. Right? And it's like, yeah, of course not. No one wants to come across as a know-it-all, but there's a big distance between being a know-it-all and simply advocating for oneself and expressing an opinion on something or describing one's belief on a topic, right?
0: Right. Yeah. I heard someone said to me one time, they said, it's not cockiness if you can do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that's interesting because despite their fears and their insecurities, they have this innate desire to do what they're setting out to do, to have that conversation, you know? And I feel like, at least from my perspective, I feel like this is where the authenticity comes in because, you know, part of what I share and part of the message and in the, in the people that I work with is there's a part of them that is just pulling at them to move forward, you know, and in people that feel this pull towards, I need to have this conversation or I want to get this job and, and, and communicating effectively, in a way that represents me in a true accurate fashion is something that's very important and that's why you know I, I reached out to you because it was like you know as I'm about to embark in version 2.0 of this podcast and a slightly different approach to the coaching that we've discussed before that I do conversations is really going to be the most important aspect in the way i serve and in the way i can help others to serve so i felt it fitting to have you on for this but i feel like just from what you said authenticity there is a very deep and 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 relevant correlation between the quality of one's conversations and how confident one feels in their authentic self
1: absolutely and they feed one another it's a it's a little self-perpetuating thing and what do i mean by that it comes back to the narratives that we construct we all walk around with a million narratives bouncing around in our heads in terms of how we make sense of the world how we make sense of other people and what narratives and stories we tell about ourselves Mm. and when we carry those narratives into conversations they dictate how the conversations go Right. So a lot of people tell themselves a narrative, for example, I am not a good public speaker. This is a narrative that many people have constructed for themselves. Perhaps they're not. Right. But there's a difference between, yeah, one time I tried public speaking and it didn't go that well, and I am not a public speaker. Right. One is an identity, another is just something that happened. Right. And so often people create these identities tied to a narrative. And then that ends up informing how they communicate and how they interface with the external world.
0: Right, right. Those I am statements are extremely powerful. They're extremely powerful. You know, with my kids, I try and teach them also the power of their words. And part of it was the I am. The other one is the I can't. Mm-hmm. So don't say I can't. I don't want to hear you saying I can't. I want you to say, hear you say, how can I? How can I? So for the person that wants to have these better conversations and your experiences as a, as a conversation coach. Um, what would you say? Are like the top three things that you would say, you know, that you would advise someone to have an authentic conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One is, this is the simplest one. Keep it simple. Right. Keep it brief. Less is more. Volunteer a small piece of yourself and let other people react. Let them ask you follow-up questions. Let them come into the conversation with you instead of upfront. All the things you want to tell the world about yourself, all the opinions you have, you're having, you're about to have a conversation about Tamagotchi, and you're a really intense Tamagotchi nerd, and you have them all. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Just talk about one. Talk about your favorite Tamagotchi. Don't tell us about your whole collection. Right? It's a silly example, but you understand what I'm saying, right? right. Nope, People so often are, were just, I get it. You're excited. Choose one piece and start there. So that's my first tip is keep it simple. Right. Less is more. My second tip is ask questions. Be curious. You will learn more about yourself by learning more about others. You will learn more about what the other person needs, wants, hopes, expects, etc., cetera, by asking them questions than by talking at them. This is what one of your used your your car salesmen needed to hear yeah. when you were going around to these car lots. Mm-hmm. These car guys, they're so excited and amped to get you into a car that what do they do when you show up? They just talk about the heated seats, and they talk about the power steering, and they talk about the torque, and they talk about all this stuff. None of that may be relevant to you, but you're just thinking about, can I fit a car seat in this back seat? Does it have the thing to open the trunk automatically? What's the MPG? Right, Whatever your concerns are, right? right. You're coming in with your concerns. The expert car salesman, the, the person who's having an authentic, effective sale, they're hanging back. They're listening. They're asking you questions. They want to know mm. how you're going to use the car. Right. They want to know how often you're going to drive it. They want to know the use cases for when you're going to use it. Right. How big is your family, et cetera, right? They're going to sit back. They're going to listen. They're going to notate. And then they're going to make a competent recommendation.
0: Right. And
1: that is a perfect allegory for authentic conversations in general. Mm. Right. The next time you're interacting with somebody and you want something from them, are you just going to talk at them and tell them all the 175 ways why they should give you the thing that you want? No. It's not effective. Hang back. Shut your mouth. Right. Ask a few questions. Be curious. Let them volunteer information to you there's a lovely lovely quote i want to make sure i attribute this to the right person michael stanier michael stanier a quote from michael Stainier. He says stay curious just a little bit longer mm-hmm. I, yeah. ah, I love it so much stay curious just a little bit longer how many times have you met someone recently and you go i don't like this person I don't like the way that they act. I don't like the thing they're talking about. I don't like the way that they smell. Whatever, right? Yeah. And then we dismiss them. We dismiss them,
0: right?
1: After three seconds. After five seconds. After whatever. After one thing, right? Right. If we just stayed curious a little bit longer, you might have learned that you have a shared interest,
0: right?
1: And I can't tell you how many times, Marco, literally thousands of times in my life, that I've met someone and I'll meet them in a group setting, and a number of other people dismiss this person out of hand. I don't blame them necessarily, right? This person said something offensive. They made a tasteless joke. They put their foot in their mouth, and they get dismissed. And I'll stay curious for two more questions, five more minutes, and suddenly we find out that actually we're from the same place. Uh. Our mothers know each other. We like the same television show. Right. We both don't like flavor of food whatever it is right there's there's shared human connection we can't get there unless we listen and we stay curious a little bit longer I, that's such a that's like those are my three tips is less is more right be curious stay curious a little bit longer
0: so we got three tips you got someone they got them they listen okay lewis is my guy i got my three tips i know what i'm gonna do they walk up to the, the situation they're going to be at, and all of a sudden, they feel this deer in headlights thing coming on. They're about to freeze. What's your, what's your thing, your, your simple hack or trick to kind of get them out of that?
1: Oh, man, Marco, this is the million-dollar question, right? Because this is the, one of the top challenges that my clients tell me. Oh, yeah, great. Listen, we practiced everything. We did all this stuff. And I just freeze up or I blank out. I go into a fugue state. A lot of people experience this, and I think the first thing is is it's okay. That's the first thing I want you to know is it's okay to freeze up for a moment. Right. Like we said, embrace silence. It's okay to freeze up for a second. Get it out of your head that nobody freezes and everyone else, everywhere else is talking perfectly, and you're the only one who's freezing. No. Freezing and pausing and feeling a little uncomfortable, it's just a natural part of, of the human experience in communication. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is, is practice. Practice. People don't practice talking.
0: It's funny, right? It's not considered to be something you practice at, right? You'll practice yeah. at things that are mechanically inclined. But when it comes to things that are a little bit more abstract, like the conversation, it's not something that people think that it's a thing to do.
1: And it's like, actually, like anything else in life, you got to practice. And what do I mean by practice? I don't mean just sit and talk to a wall, Right. I mean that when you have a, let's call it high stakes conversation coming up. And what do I mean by high stakes? I mean any conversation that you feel invested in the outcome. That's a high stakes conversation. Yeah. That means that you can practice. Practice getting the words out. Right. What does it look like? You want to confront your roommate? What does it look like for you to actually confront them? What does it sound like? Practice it. Say it out loud. Talk to a mirror. Talk to a friend. Talk to whoever will listen for a few minutes. Actually practice it. That's probably one of the most effective ways that you can tamp down on that feeling of I'm being I'm frozen. I'm a deer in headlights. Because so often what's happening in that moment is you haven't been there before. Right. The anxiety and the tension of the moment, with the novelty of the moment, is overwhelming. You can diminish some of that by practicing. You can also practice with a coach. right? Right. That's part of what I do is I help people practice conversations all the time. We'll role play it 10 times until they feel confident, until it feels sharp. And then they go out into the world and come on, of course, you're going to feel differently going into that conversation to ask for a raise, to confront your roommate, to break up with someone. I had a couple of breakup conversations I've helped with recently. If you've done it already, the words have left your mouth at some point, you're going to feel a lot more confident in that moment.
0: And it seems to me that the practice does not necessarily have to be something identical to what you're planning on speaking about. It seems like the practice is more so in just becoming comfortable with sharing what's inside and bringing it out and allowing that back and forth. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I would totally agree. And, and to, to, to put it to one word, it's vulnerability. Mm. That's what you're describing. Right. that feeling that people get when they're frozen in place and it's like oh my god i i can't get a word out right now it's it's because now they're like wait a second i got to be vulnerable and that that can be like a splash of cold water right and yeah. then you freeze if you've practiced opening yourself up and being vulnerable a little bit even if it's just in a role play practice environment when it comes to the real thing you're going to feel more confident right. and you're going to be able to be vulnerable in a way that feels Authentic and accessible.
0: I think, in the right dose and the right way, you know, it's something that actually attracts people to you because you're you're human, you know. Um, yes. And I find it's more so with the with, with the alphas, people that are considered to be alphas. When they kind of bring themselves down to a more sensitive human level, I feel that like that makes them more people gravitate to them.
1: Absolutely. And what you're describing, in another word, is authenticity yeah vulnerability is at the heart of authenticity because it requires offering oneself up in a real and exposed way for us to connect that's why we love certain musicians mm. right because they exude a certain vulnerability in their lyrics in their persona in their music what do we call that we call that like raw music right right when we listen to the music and we can hear the heartbreak in the singer's voice that is vulnerability. Yeah. And that is a form of authenticity.
0: Are there any conversations that stand out to you like to be, that you would consider man this is one of the best conversations I ever had or even on the other end of the spectrum I mean, like this was one of the worst conversations I ever had, you know?
1: I mean certainly of course I'm a human being like everyone else and my mind when you ask me that goes to all the failed job interviews I've ever been in. Mm. All the times I went into a room and trying to sell myself, advocate for myself, and nobody was buying. Uh, Pimping ain't think, easy, man.
0: Pimping ain't yeah, easy. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: um, I think to man, you really want to go <laughs> rough conversations. <laughs> uh, I, pref- I consider any live performance, any comedy I've done, as a type of conversation.
0: Hmm.
1: It's a conversation with the audience,
0: right?
1: And I have done, I've performed in rooms with there's there's two people in the crowd you know i I did a show at a broadway comedy club it's in manhattan old school venue i think there might have been yeah two people in the audience i'm on stage you know they introduce me there's some lights whatever two people in the audience right that was rough i remember feeling like oh man but then i just played to those two people i had fun with it I had fun with it, but I remember thinking like wow, this is tough. There are very few people in this audience, and it's just gonna be really intense, and I feel like I'm under a microscope. That feeling of deer and headlights definitely came up. Right. What did I do? I just became vulnerable. Right. And it unlocked so much in that moment. Right. In terms of powerful conversations, I'm very grateful and fortunate to have them every single day. It's what I do for a living. Right. Um I had an incredibly powerful conversation earlier today just a few hours ago, uh, with one of my clients who is trying to figure out what the next stage is in her career, trying to figure out, does she want to be the person her parents and her family and her community want her to be, or does she want to be someone else?
0: Right.
1: And so we've been digging through that and really getting into a lot of issues around vulnerability, around authenticity, Mm. super, super relevant to this conversation today. And I love it. I love when my clients show up and they're their full selves and they're candid with me and they're vulnerable with me because that's when the best work gets done.
0: Right.
1: That's when we really get down to like, okay, what's actually going on here? Because even in moments where they're meeting with a coach or meeting with a therapist, what do people do? They continue these narratives just because you're alone. I mean, people will continue telling themselves a narrative when they're alone.
0: Right.
1: It's just them. There's no one else even listening. Right. And they're still spewing nonsense or convincing themselves of something else, some ulterior reality, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if someone is in one of these situations where, like, this conversation is going down the – it's spiraling, you know, down the toilet, is there anything that you find that will salvage it, you know, Uh I guess more so for the person that kind of is is leading the conversation or that initiated the conversation. Is there anything that you find that can salvage a, a, a conversation?
1: Yeah, 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 all the time. I love the power of the intense, intentional check-in. Mm. Where we, hey, listen, I don't get the sense that this conversation is going the way that either of us expected. Right. <laughs> Very, very powerful. The tone, your tone and your delivery really matters here. But I can't tell you how many sales I have made over the years where the first 20 minutes, wow, this person's not buying. It's not going well. They're they're asking lots of questions. They're poking holes. It's not good. And I'll actually just say, hey, listen, I don't get the sense that we're on the same page here. Mm -hmm. And then we come back to their first principles, right? What exactly did you – you told me you wanted to – Accomplish X, Y, Z, right? Having that reset, it can be uncomfortable, that pivot moment, Yeah, but it's so effective. And what does it require? It requires a little bit of authenticity. It requires a little bit of vulnerability. It requires us to say, hey, hey, hold on, let's not continue along this performative track where we're both going to smile and nod and both go away unhappy. Let's actually acknowledge that this conversation is not going in the direction that either of us intended, And let's pause right here. Do you want to continue? Okay, you want to continue the conversation. So tell me, where am I missing you? How am I misunderstanding you? It's so powerful to give somebody that space and signal to them that you're actually trying to hear them and not just interested in what you want to say.
0: So keep it simple. Be curious. Stay curious. Embrace silence. Don't fear it. And above all, be authentic. Be yourself and be open to the possibility that your authentic self may not always blend with the person you're trying to converse with. You're not going to win them all, just like you're not going to win every sales conversation in uh, meeting new people. You're not always going to jive. You're not always going to connect with that person. Be open to that possibility that agree to disagree and walk different ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the keys to authenticity is it's not being authentic doesn't mean that I am being vulnerable and being myself only when it's convenient or only when it's going to work out well for me or only when there's money at the end of it, right? right. It means that I'm just being myself because that's who I am. I am what I am, right? Yeah. That's, that's what Popeye taught us. Yeah. That and to eat spinach. Yeah. And it, you know, it really is like, it, it, it's so true. It's so basic. It's so simple, but it really is one of those true things in life. Like being yourself is so much more freeing and so much less stress once you actually inhabit your body and inhabit your personhood in a real way. Yeah. Uh, It's so much less stressful.
0: Yeah. So we've been talking back and forth a lot about authenticity. and I just want to get your take on it. So what is authenticity to you?
1: Authenticity is showing up in in a way that feels true and is in some way at least slightly vulnerable. Vulnerability is the key to authenticity. I I, I know this to be the case. It's so self-evident, right? Because... If you're really into something, and that's authentically you, and you bring it up, you're not bringing it up with the expectation that the listener, your audience, is also into that thing, right. also shares that interest. You're just bringing it up because it's what you're into, yeah. right? And I think that's really, really powerful, and not doing so much window dressing and table setting. People love to, well, you know, this is my thing, and I know it's weird, and I know it's da 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 We give all these caveats, right?
0: Ah, that's big. Yes, yes. That's, that's a very common thing in the insecure. You know, they preface it. They preface yes. it. Yes. And you can, and this goes back to what we were talking about in terms of the prep work, the prep work, and then you get in the situation just like all of the confidence, like instantaneously fizzles. You're like, oh, crap, I got to salvage. You're like, I know this is going to sound dumb, but, uh, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here. But, you know, and then they kind of like, oh, table setting. I like the way you right? said that. Of course. The Lewis.
1: negative caveats. It's yes. awful. Think about powerful, effective speakers that you can think of in your life, whether it's a parent, whether it's a politician. I think of Barack Obama. guy's an incredible speaker. He's so good. And do you think he's ever prefacing what he's saying with like, I know this might sound stupid, but?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I was thinking about that because I catch myself in the same situation sometimes as well. And I've become very observant to these people who are considered to be masters in their field or people who are... Are very high up and highly respected and you're they just they just speak like Oprah Oprah's she doesn't preface anything she just speaks and I've been watching some videos and stuff because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn her presence and, and just people in general but I was watching some videos and she just walks in and it's just she's just there she's just I'm just me you know and people are like oh my god Oprah It's so nice to meet you she's like yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> Oprah is a perfect example.
0: Yeah. If you could go back in time and talk to your fourteen year old self, what would you tell fourteen year old Lewis?
1: Oh man. <laughs> what would I tell fourteen-year-old Lewis? Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> uh there's gonna be this thing called NFTs coming out soon and I don't know. Just get some money into it early, okay? And then get out. Um, Seriously, what would I tell 14-year-old me? Honestly? Yeah. This is going to sound kind of funny coming from me, but I would say get started even earlier. Mm. Get out on stage even earlier. Get yourself out there. Make even more mistakes earlier. Right. Because every single time I've fallen on my face, and I have fallen on my face many times, I have been fired from jobs I have been performed to empty rooms. I've performed to full rooms, and no one, draw, no one laughs. Right. You're a pin drop. Just as painful as an empty room, right. if not more. Um, and I've learned so much. And it's not more than just I've learned. I can literally trace the growth, my personal growth, right. at each of, each of these junctures. Every time I've failed, I've been able to go back to the drawing board and say, OK, OK, interesting. Take note of that. I to right. try that one again. Right, right. And I guess, yeah, my advice to my 14-year-old self is just like, get out there, move fast, make mistakes, make as many mistakes as you can, man. Just try stuff. Just keep throwing stuff at the wall. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain.
0: Our topic today has been conversations. And for the person who feels that they're called to either have better conversations or to help other people have better conversations, what advice would you give them? to take the first steps into following through with that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I So, okay, I'll take it in two parts. One, if you're somebody who's thinking about getting into coaching or you want to help other people in some way, specifically around conversations, the best advice I can give you is just get in there. Just start scheduling these. People will want to chat with you. Go find a Facebook group. Go find people on Craigslist. There's a whole lot of people, especially coming out of the last two years, people want to talk. There are people out there that will chew your ear off, no problem. I can see so that. if you're actually serious or you want to start interrogating or investigating this and you want to pursue it, just put yourself out there, hang a little sign up saying you're willing to listen and people will be willing to talk. So that's my first advice for anybody looking to get into this. If you're just looking to improve yourself, my advice is similar but different. Get into the habit of practicing, whether it's with a coach, whether it's with a book, whether it's with your mirror. Be intentional and carve out space. Maybe it's 30 minutes a week.
0: Right.
1: That's right. it. 30 minutes a week. Everyone right. has that. Right. I don't want to hear that you don't have that. You have that available to yourself, right? right. So maybe it's you read a book. Phenomenal book. I have one book recommendation to this whole thing: Crucial Conversations.
0: Hmm.
1: It has like four or five authors. I don't know all their names, but Crucial Conversations is the Bible, I think, of effective communication. I work with that book with many, many of my clients. I've read it at least half a dozen times. Um, I think it's such such a pivotal, useful, easy read, uh, introduces some really great concepts in it.
0: So for people that are interested in working with you or following what you're doing, how do they reach out to you?
1: Love that question. You can find me at havebetterconversations.com. So easy. Go there. You can book time with me there. You can email me there havebetterconversations.com you can also find me on LinkedIn on Instagram what have you but really uh, find my website it's so straightforward and you'll have all the information you need there
0: awesome Louis thanks so much for being on brother it's always nice speaking with you man we have a lot of laughs off the Zoom I'm sure that everyone that watched this is going to now approach conversations in a different light i definitely learned something new thank you for your time and sharing all of your expertise man i really appreciate it
1: thank you marco the pleasure is all mine i'm excited to listen to this and listen to all the new episodes that are coming out the new this new 2.0 of the podcast it's really exciting and thank you for creating this space
0: and that's our first episode of season two version 2.0 of the business of being you podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode and now feel more confident in having authentic conversations My name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B, and I'm a life and small business coach specializing in authenticity. I help people and businesses to be authentic confidently so that they can eliminate stress, achieve higher goals, and serve people better. If you want some free resources or coaching around authenticity, just visit me at CoachMarcoB.com and that's B like boy. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at CoachMarcoB. Thank you for joining me and remember to mind your business, the business of being you.